Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Talking with Tom. I'm Tom Dayton alongside Ed McCarver. Hello, Edward. Hello, Tom. How are you tonight? Here we uh, actually uh, not so many glitches tonight. We got, got on the air actually a few minutes we were supposed to, which is a good thing. And as I always say, if it's the first Tuesday of the month, you know what that is. Yes, yes. You know where you should be uh, on whatever device you listen to, uh, over TalkShoe.com. The first Tuesday of the month is Talking with Tom Time, and we're uh, we're glad to be here uh, on time and uh, on schedule for a change. So it's going to be very nice. Oh. We have a very important topic this evening. Yes, yeah, yes, we do. It's uh, something that the uh, that the town of Wallingford, uh, I think, is needed. Probably the entire state uh, has needed. And uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and do the uh, formal introduction there. Our guests this evening are from the Coalition for a Better Wallingford. Please help me welcome, first of all, Jennifer Short. Welcome, Jen. Thanks, Tom. And we have Ken Welsh. Welcome, Ken. And uh, we should mention before we get started, I should have mentioned at the intro, we are broadcasting live from our favorite location here in Wallingford at uh, my favorite address, which is 92 Quinnipiac Street here in uh, Wallingford. Uh, Tom and the, the good folks at uh, American Team Cheeseburgers, where uh, I never met a cheeseburger I didn't like at the And we should stay also my home away from home. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I know many times he's tried to throw you off. <laughs> But, uh, yes, you're home away from home and uh, a good friend, and we appreciate uh, him letting us use his, uh, use his space here at American State. I want to start by, out by asking you, I guess I'll ask you, Jen, um, when was the coalition founded? We were formed uh, officially in January of 2013, Tom. And uh, we got together in 2012 following, unfortunately, the passing of my daughter, along with a number of young adults here in the community to overdose. And the group of us, a grassroots organization, uh, decided following that year that we needed to get together and start a nonprofit organization to help combat this subject matter. And what is, what is the coalition's mission statement? Our official mission statement is engage Wallingford community resources to produce healthy, caring and responsible citizens by raising awareness and reducing substance abuse among our youth. Now, now Ken, you do some outreach, is that correct? Well, we have a number of, a number of programs. Um, our primary uh, outreach, if you will, is, is for the, to and for the kids. Um, but that manifests itself in a number of ways. Um, Sometimes on a ball field, sometimes at a Cub Scout meeting, sometimes the high school coaches, in the classrooms, at the gardener's market, uh, in, a, in a doctor's office, 
at the hospital, uh, in a church, church gathering, um, or many town events that, that were at around town. I know, that's why I ran into you the first time was at the Gardner's Market every yes. Saturday morning here on the green. Yes, yep, we're there every Saturday. Now, you just had an event the other night that I want to talk about, uh, which I actually spent my birthday there that evening. <laughs> with I know. Rick. I was just like, happy birthday. But it was Bring Back the Neighborhood, and it was at the Ulebrick Boys and Girls Club right around the corner from my house. Uh, how do you think that went the other night? It went very well. It was our fourth meeting like that. Um, the whole bring back the neighborhood concept is to bring people together and talk about this problem of substance abuse in our community and talk about families that might have um, challenges, you know, broken homes, broken families, um, or any number of distractions that today's society brings to them and make people in the neighborhood aware that they serve a role in filling the gaps that might exist when that happens. Um, we've been pleasantly surprised, as you know, the other night. It's not just about the, the substance abuse. It's about being good neighbors. It's about communicating about providing an extended family outreach to the entire town. The whole concept behind building a better Connecticut is to make every element of this town better. The cross communication of organizations, the support systems within families and outside of families, the extended family, um, trying to bring together things like the school system and the community. And how they approach not only this problem, but the full communication link and how that makes sense to the kids. One thing, one thing that you brought up the other night was the risk behavior survey that you conducted. Yeah. Uh, you want to touch? I was quite shocked by some of this, actually. Yeah, well, the, the risk behavior survey that, got, that gets conducted in the school is uh, administered by state epidemiologists. Um, it required uh, an, a participation by youth and social services, superintendents, principals of the high school, and the Board of Ed. Um, the survey is 108 questions. It's, uh, it's written by CDC. It's called the Risk Behavior Survey. And what it does is it goes to all the kids in the high school. Um, and ask them a, a battery of questions on a number of subjects, not just substance abuse, but all the risk behaviors and temptations that a, a teenager is going to run into. Um, we were obviously primarily focused on the substance abuse issues, but a number of other things came to light that are that are related to those same risk behaviors. Um, most importantly, I guess, is the uh, the mental health issue that it alerted us to. I don't think anybody could sit there and see these numbers and not be shocked. Um, 
and we've had a number of board members who first saw these numbers who were devastated. Uh, you just can't believe it. Who put the questions together for the for the, the, the CDC? Yeah, the CDC, which for those is the Hispanic. Uh, no, the um, Center for Disease Control. Okay. By the oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and then it's been adopted and administered by the state. Um, the uh, I'm, I'm struggling because this thing goes in so many different directions. Um, but let me just point out the numbers and then we can talk about this. Um, like I said, the three numbers that we were particularly shocked by were um, they use wording which defines clinical depression in, a, in a, any person, but primarily in adolescents. If they felt sad or depressed for an extended period of time, two weeks or more, they could be considered clinically depressed. Now, that in and of itself, you could break down that question and you could say, okay, well, it's just one question. Uh, what's the big deal? So, first off, the big deal is 25% of our kids said they were clinically depressed at some point. That's a big number. I mean, even if it, even if there's an element of uh, adjustment there, it's still a big number anywhere you cut it. Um, and who knows that it isn't on the low side? A lot of people say, well, okay, that's just a teenager. Teenagers just walk around depressed. Well, sad and lonely and isolated is the issue. And so we start with that, and, and we have that one number. I mean, that's only one question out of 100 days. Now we ask them, how many have self-inflicted wounds, burning or cutting? That number was 19.3%. So think about that. Almost 20% of our kids have self-inflicted wounds. Now that's confirmed in a couple of things. Now we have two questions that are giving us a, a picture of how mentally what the mental health status is of our teenagers. And in today's society, not just Wallingford kids, but that's what we focus on. So this study was just Wallingford kids, and it went to every student. It's about 2,100 high schoolers, and we got 1,900 usable requests. So the epidemiologist took all of the questionnaires that might have skewed the results and eliminated them. So we have 1,900 good surveys. The unique part about what we did was that that right there. These are active. You can't deny right. the data. Okay, now this is a survey that was done in 2002. Yes, not the same. Was there another one done in 2015? 2015, yes. So we've, we've, we've seen those results. Um, we've scanned them, but we have an agreement with the Board of Ed that they have to accept and process the results before we can make them public. Um, well, we it, in 2013, it was the first time anything like this had been done in our community since 1999, from my recollection. It's, uh, nobody wants bad news when you start tapping into kids' attitudes. You know, you run the gamut of, of problems that nobody wants to deal with. That's, that's, that's the umbrella we fell under. You know, we've got all these problems everyone wants to deal with. Um, but happily, in three years, I can say that this town has embraced the problem. 
the, the support and the acknowledgement is virtually uniform across this town, from town officials and department heads to school officials, administrators, teachers, social workers, guidance counselors, you name it, the police department. And the endorsements have come, come from a lot of this area. Let me get back to the survey a little bit because there's two more numbers on here that were probably the most shocking. One was uh, how many kids had considered suicide? And that number was almost 14%, 13.8. So, so 13.8 out of 1,900 is about 250 kids in our community that considered suicide. There was a time limit like the last six months last year. More importantly was the fact that, um, I think it's not on here, but about 6% had attempted at some point through uh, any number of means. We didn't ask, but those types of numbers start to paint a picture of mental health uh, crisis in our society, because these aren't unique. Remember, these aren't unique to Hollywood. What is unique is some of the ways that some of the ways people have stepped in, opened doors, communication, allowed us to talk about heroin and suicide in the open market on Main Street, basically, in the in the hallways of the school. Um, I want to make it very clear that the survey, although done in the schools with the endorsement of the Board of Ed is not a school survey. This is a community survey. So it's a picture of what our families, our kids in this community are saying. Um, another uh, very, very interesting and telling piece of the first survey, and we haven't done it on the second one yet, we do have comparative data. I can happily say that in virtually Every area that we took on, that we were able to create an awareness, education, and prevention program, we saw positive results in the survey across the board. It was really impressive. People are listening, and they're responsive. They care, and uh, and again, they're responsive, and that's all you can ask. Um, again, we're talking with uh, Ken Welch and Jennifer Short, and they've been joined by uh, Sean Flint. Program director, we're talking about the coalition for a better Wallingford. Uh, and if you'd like to take part in the conversation, you can give us a call at area code 724-444-7444, and uh, we'll punch up, uh, punch you up on the board. You can join in the conversation. Um, I wanted to add the three, and we'll, we'll get back to the survey. There's so much we have to cover tonight. Um, I finally have two hours, and whichever <laughs> one, and whichever individual wants to jump in on this, I'll throw this out to the, the three of you. Sir. Uh, one of the items mentioned on your website states that one of your goals is to provide support of those affected by addiction and substance abuse through education, prevention, and awareness. I know it's kind of a broad question, but uh, anybody that wants to uh, talk a little bit about that? Well, so our approach is um, to build a stronger community and a stronger family. So we try to address all of the issues that lead up to the larger issues of mental health issues. And we do that in a number of ways. Um, we have programming in the schools where we reach out and we talk to students. 
um, to educate them not just about, you know, drugs are bad, don't do drugs, but how are you making decisions? What does it mean to live a healthy life? So healthy mind, healthy body. Um, we educate coaches. Actually, Ken and Craig Turner, the Director of Youth and Social Services, have met with, over the last year, I'm going to say every, just about every coach, the last three years. Um, and that has had a great impact because coaches in Wallingford are not just coaches. They're also parents. So when you speak to the coaches, you're speaking to parents as well. And just about every child in Wallingford up to a certain age plays some kind of a sport. We're a very big sporting community. Now, I'm not saying that every child plays a sport, but a large portion of the population does. So you can have a really great impact um, by reaching out to coaches. Um, we also do awareness activities for elected officials and other people who um, have a seat of power within the community, so they have some kind of influence in some area. We do the Bring Back to the Neighborhood events. Um, we do a lot of outreach and coordination. We have a bunch of events coming up. Um, we have a screening of the movie Generation Found on September 29th. And we wanted to talk about that. Okay. All right. So I'll leave those events off. Um, we also have our booth um, every Saturday at the Gardeners Market, which is how we met Tom. Um, and that's... Um, teen organization, Avalante. Yes, and the community of Wallingford. And really, um, besides raising awareness and educating people, we want to bring people to the resources. So we're not in and of ourselves a resource, although we do have some programs that are really great. We have our Hope and Support Group, which is for families that have um, suffering from addiction or have somebody that's suffering from addiction, um, or they themselves are, so it's a Hope and Support Group. We also have a bereavement group. Um, the bereavement group meets once a month on Mondays, and those are for people who have lost a child. Um, these are really great services that are free. Um, you can get more information on our website. It's under our program. Which we Oh, 
Um, it will ha we don't have an actual date. Uh, we want to get as many people there as possible, and we want to use the grand opening as kind of a, a big thank you to everybody that supported us. We're still coordinating that date, but it will happen this week. And the reason the event's coming up, I can tell everybody. Yeah. Three weeks. Uh, where people used to be. 
Uh, six to nine and off from a uh, of this clock. Again, we're talking to Ken Welch, Sean Blitz, Jennifer Short of Coalition for a Better Long Story. I know Shauna wanted to mention this movie screening. You want to talk about the movie screening? Oh, sure, yeah. So on September 29th at um, Holiday Cinemas in Wallingford, we are screening the movie Generation Sound. The movie is a documentary. Um, It was produced over the course of two years. It takes place in Houston, Texas. And what was happening in Houston was um, they were suffering from an opioid epidemic an overdose epidemic, similar to what happened in Wallingford or what has been happening in Wallingford up until 2013 and still kind of continues today. Um, But what's unique and what's really interesting about this movie is the way that they handled the situation. They didn't try to sweep it under the rug. Instead, they brought their community together and they partnered in a lot of ways, the same way the coalition has, with town officials, the police department, with different resources, and they came together as a community and changed the way they viewed substance abuse issues and mental health issues. Um, one of the center focuses of the film are recovery high schools, which is something that has been pushed in Connecticut for the last couple of years but has yet to take a foothold. So um, we'll be following that up with a panel discussion on October 6th, and we're going to talk about some of those issues and hopefully have um, some of the people who have been instrumental in getting recovery high schools in other areas. Have you seen I've seen the trailer. Um, I haven't seen the full thing, so I am looking forward to seeing it on the 29th. Yeah. It is a documentary. It is a documentary. Yeah. That is a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 7:30. Yeah, the, the producer of this. This is the second in, a, in probably a series. Um, I'm sure Greg Williams is is working on this. We created a, a film we bought town two years ago called Anonymous People. And, and we had to turn people away. The room was full. Um, and the, the purpose of that was to bring attention to the definition of an addict which has changed in the last 20 years. He talked about heroin and addiction 20 years ago. The image was probably something of a free phone somebody living in a park. Homeless. It's not the case. You wouldn't know what adequacy would be. It's typically they're, they're perfectly functional. Um, they got into it because they may have gone to the doctor and got prescribed an opioid for pain, um, and in a very short period of time became addicted to that. But in order to maintain the effectiveness, increase dosage to a point where they couldn't afford it anymore, heroin is still available. Oftentimes, harassed with other uh, police departments. 
over uh, 2010, 11, and 12. And I know you had questioned the statistics the other day, but within that three-year span, Wallingford alone has lost, and it's over. These are documented autopsies, and the number is 53. But it really, truly is over that because think about if there was no autopsy performed, then those numbers are not inclusive. What we do know is 53 young adults in Wallingford passed away to an overdose. And my daughter was one. She went to a party with her friend, her boyfriend, after uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And there, there was experimental drugs. She drank. And that evening, she went with her boyfriend and snorted what she thought was heroin. Unfortunately, I got the phone call the following morning that no parent ever wants to hear from the New Haven Police Department that um, she was brought to the Farmington um, corner and had not been able to make it through the night. We waited over six months for her autopsy to come in to find out what truly transpired that evening, even though um, her partner at the time was very honest and open and shared everything. He survived, but he was a much larger young man. She was only 98 pounds. What was contained in that packet was not just heroin, what she thought she was buying. What was contained was fentanyl, and that's what's killing a number of our kids. We just lost another young person here in our community three days ago, and uh, fentanyl seems to be what they're cutting. The drug dealers are cutting into the um, material, and so um, that was a life-changing moment for my family, for the community, for her friends. Uh, We talked at length. And I got very angry for a couple of days there and decided that I was going to take that anger along with my partner, Ken, here and and use it in a positive way and channel it so that we can save kids and really open eyes, wake up Wallingford to realize that there is a serious crisis going on. And it's not just Wallingford. You know, it makes Make no mistake, this is not happening in just Wallingford. It's happening all over the state, all over the nation. Um, I just happened to open up my Facebook, and just yesterday um, there was a huge arrest in Hamden with, I forgot the dollar amount, and I can quote it to you shortly. But um, So it, it's constant, and it, it's here. It's an ongoing fight, battle. We're talking with uh, Jennifer Jordan, Ken Wilson, Sean and Blake from the Coalition for a Better Wallingford. Uh, you can take part in the conversation by giving us a call at 724-444-7444. Uh, a very important topic, and I think a topic that we need to talk about. I mean, one thing that shocked me the other night was the amount of overdoses just in this area alone. Yeah, we see right now you're working on
all of these numbers are just that. They're just a number. You know, for all we know, it could have been one person who went every day for 128 days. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, it probably wasn't 128 people, but here's the interesting thing about it. That was just the fire department and just one ER. It wasn't any of the other five transport organizations, and it wasn't any of the other six potential hospitals that an overdose transport could have been taken. So those numbers could have doubled and tripled. He shared with us that we were probably averaging that, and that, that's the guy at the top of the pool of his analysis probably has. Now, again, we've talked to people who have ongoing conversations. That was the last time we had a hard number. That's a, it's more than an interesting number. It's a number that um, makes you stand up and pay attention to the problem. And that's all we're about. Is, you know, we, we think that the people in ER and the doctors and the fire department, the police department, and the town officials are great at doing their job. Um, we just want them to be more prepared and more aware of the nuance of what their day is filled with. And that's, that's what we've been trying to do. Sometimes that has the potential for coming off as being, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But the more negative is positive, you know. And unfortunately, we always find ourselves starting at that point and then trying to come up with solutions, resources to solve the problem. I just want to remind anybody, if you're trying to call in, you also have to give the call ID number, which is 141480. So when you call in, you have to give the call ID number as well. Very, very careful. Youth sports. There is 
a, a hierarchy in every youth sport organization. Every sport has travel teams. And I'm talking about travel team baseball. Well, one of the messages that parents send to the elite athletes in that sport is that it's okay to go to that event and drink heavily because that's what they're doing. Now, they never say, hey, that that's okay. But in the parking lot, there's a party going on while these kids are on the field playing and being told that they're working, you know, they're some of the best, the elite athletes, and they're working for some of the best college scholarships and opportunities later in their life. And here the parents are using it as a party. That's a social event. And it's you. So that subliminal message has created athletes that are at the top of their game feeling like they're superhuman, saying nothing's going to affect me. That's right. I'm invincible. So guess what? I can drink. I can gamble. I can drug. And I can go to and throw that baseball hard enough to strike guys out so I don't need to be concerned about it. You add to that the glamour of me. You know, hear stories all the time of, of professional athletes mm-hmm. that, have, that have become millionaires that have ruined their lives. Prepare with the basketball players. Yeah. We went to Boston Celtics and unfortunately ended up a heroin addict and now has uh, a wonderful foundation, the Heron Project and the Purple Initiative for the youth and uh, speaks all over the Northeast footprint. And I think ESPN did a, uh, I think it was a 30 by 30, I think they call it, or one of their documentaries. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hello. Um, I think we have a call. You want a call? So, uh, uh, Hi, you're on talking with Tom. Hi, I just wanted to address the uh, the issue of the opioid use with uh, the legislation that you mentioned about you know the police uh, reporting uh, the opioid uh, overdoses. You know, can we trace that back to the the prescribing doctor and see if there was some sort of uh, mishandle? You know, they mishandled it at that end, and maybe some of these doctors are should be held accountable. I mean, can we go to that route? Um, that's an excellent question. It is, a, it is an excellent question, and boy, would we love to. Um, I can tell you that um, we've been challenged to get them to honor their commitment to use the PMP. There's a, you need to understand the difference between when that overdose occurs and when the prescribing happens. Oftentimes, the prescribing can't be linked back to a particular doctor because um, the way doctor shopping occurs, the the illegal scripts are are attained by a drug dealer. Typically, they'll go to the New Haven Green or the Waterbury Green, and they'll pick somebody up with a Connecticut, a valid Connecticut med card, and write the script in their name, and the script gets written, and they pay the person to take the drugs from them, and the person goes back to the Green, which are probably high. Um, so it's a complicated problem. The uh, the other issue with the overdose transports is that we're not looking for specific data there because of HIPAA and other other considerations. You have to protect the people. Um, but 
it doesn't mean that the information isn't valuable and can't be used. And that's why we wanted to go to the health department so they're aware that the level of, of overdose transports that are going on is occurring. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously the drugs are coming from big pharma and, you know, supposedly they're prescribed. And, you know, if there's that many out there, you know, that, that that's like basically the source. Yes. Well, you, you mentioned pharma. I'm, I'm going to assume you mean pharma Purdue, the, uh, the manufacturer of Oxycontin. Right, the, you know, all all the drug manufacturers that are actually you know creating this and, and putting it out there into the public. Well, as as you probably you sound pretty educated on the problem, so you're probably aware that we don't have enough money for treatment facilities, right? Um, or a number of other programs we think would be effective. One of what the tobacco industry did about 60 years ago was they they settled the tobacco manufacturers with the responsibility of dealing with the problems they created and they've come a long way to solve those problems. We are looking to support legislation that would go back to these manufacturers and hold them responsible because they are making big bucks off this stuff. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not in their best interest to slow the production of their product because they're, I mean, obviously they have shareholders and stockholders and you know, they're looking to make a profit. No, that's right. But take a percentage of it and, and give it to organizations like ours. Provide additional training for docs so they're aware of the problem they're creating. Um, get some money in the hands of the police departments and make them better equipped to deal with the problem. And to the schools for, for educational programs. There's a lot of positive things that can be done with it with some extra bucks. I agree. I agree. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I know.
you know, I'm thinking, I, know I talk about people and I said, I think they just ran a scarf. Yeah. Well, it's terrible. It's all over. I mean, you know, there are, I'm trying to remember this web, there's a website that takes the alcohol, TVS, and breaks them down so that you can understand when you see those ads who they're really geared to. The people selling this stuff are stupid. And they're hiring the best in business. And they're going after the young kids. I mean, right now, we have such a, we're so afraid of legalization of marijuana. Now, at some level, legalizing drugs makes sense because you don't want to criminalize somebody because destroy their lives because of some poor choices. But on the other side of it, the whole underbelly of the usage needs to be controlled. So I, I, have to, I just want to ask you what you thought about Colorado yeah. or medical marijuana. I know it's a little off topic. Yeah, yeah. It isn't off topic. We are scared to death. Um, 
And ultimately, on a weak moment, at a critical time when a decision is going to get made by someone who is giving marijuana, maybe in a semi-controlled way that's not affecting them, although we have scientific evidence now that says differently. Um, they say to the drug dealer, you know, you could offer that to me, so how long is the high in left? They said the rest of your life. And it's it's a it's a telling moment that sends chills up your spine. Yeah, learn the number two. Learn the number two. Learn two. Cool. Okay. She she does a. We use her model of peer support groups to form our open support group. Um, she came. Joanne's visited us a couple of times now. She's got a very large organization now. All over. And then one of the leaders creating legislation that makes sense for communities and in creating recovery high schools and treatment facilities that are appropriate and actually make a difference. The coalition is also involved in other issues like bullying, healthy eating, and sexual awareness.
disrespected, representing other parents, lots of other parents who feel disrespected. We're not bashful about the, the worst that can happen to you and the impact that it has. Um, a bullying issue is one that's easier to deal with for the school district. So our direct influence on there is oftentimes putting them in touch with some software program or a speaker. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah. They go under the speakers and um, and that's when I say that's our primary focus is to is to provide the resources and the link to the resources. And in all of those areas, that's what we've done. I, I gotta be honest with you, with the sexual awareness one, it's part of discussion and frankly we don't know how to where to take that. <laughs> um that's just one that it has a little different look to it, yep. and it needs to be handled by the professional. Oh, I can say that they, those are probably the two things that this school district is taking out of head on. And they're doing a great job of Along with DTAC, the parent, parent organization, within. For somebody that might have just joined us, um, I want to ask, are there, what are the signs that a parent should look for for possible addiction? Oh, that's, that's an easy one and a tough one. Um, again, I shared with you the numbers of mental health concerns. When 25% of our kids are, are defining themselves as clinically depressed, um, You've got a whole array of of behaviors that follow that condition. Just as many factors as you would see in a normal teen, oftentimes. When does it turn to a concern for a parent? I'd say at any of those moments. They don't just all of a sudden today decide they're going to drink their drugs. It, there's a there's a trigger. Well, there are well, there are, there are clear signs that they are under the influence or, or partying, yeah. and there's a you know change in look, change in hygiene, change in their sleep habits, um, change in their attitude, moodiness, um, change in their friends. One of, one of the best indicators is to monitor who their friends are. You know, if you know who your kid is with, where he is, what he's doing, you're probably going to avoid their kid's problems. Okay? So like, that's why we say talk to your kids. You know, it's a lot easier to apologize for being an overbearing parent than it is to fund the treatment program for, for, the, for the rest of his life. Uh, the the Ken Wells, uh, for better Wallingford. Uh, next month is October, and I understand that one week in October is nationally recognized as Red Ribbon. Yeah, uh, we're gonna that up yeah. Yep. Talk, talk a bit about any events and what the coalition is involved in. During that particular week in October? Well, that's the highlight of our year. Obviously, we're dealing with an issue all week long. 
that um, gives us a chance to bring in speakers to talk about just these issues. What are the signs? What do I do when I see the signs? What type of response should I have? It isn't all, always seeing the signs. It's how, they, how you react. Because if you react inappropriately, you're going to push that kid away even further. And he's going to learn how not to act a particular way just so that he can get away with it. He or she can get away. Um, that week, we have uh, a, two really... We have five events going on that week. We start with an opening ceremony in which we have a lot of community organizations represented. You know what we have to do? Yes, I'm sorry. It's October 20th to the 27th. Okay. Thursday to okay. Thursday. Um, our schedule will up. We're finalizing a couple of speakers. It will be on your website. It will. The three big events are the opening ceremony, the family disc golf tournament. What we do is we're at Lumpery Park, and uh, we have a family disc golf day. Up there. I hear that. It actually is. Yeah. It's actually one of the it's nationally recognized, and it's a tournament park. So we set up a mini, mini tournament for families family and small kids on the baseball field. We'll have bottle houses there, food vendors. Um, we'll be distributing. We're, we're going to have people there offering services um, if you're affected by this. What are the food trucks? It's going to be a, an extension of what we did last year with the just adult tournament. And we hope to build on that. Last year was the first year we did it very well in team. We got music playing. Actually, we even got Craig Turner, director of music and social services, on the guitar that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then have uh, a. Um, it, we have it again. It's going to depend on the person that we get. For this talk, but we'll have a presentation by somebody in the industry. This year, it'll probably be child guidance because we're so focused on families and that connection between the community, the families, and the schools. And we want to get people in a room to talk about what that looks like and feels like. So that's a difficult thing to pull off. So that's probably going to be the focus of that. And then the guest speaker. And then we, we end it with a tremendous event called our Walk of Hope. And again, a number of community organizations come out. It's both a celebration and a recognition of those that will take place. That's going to take place up at the town hall. We start there with a, a ceremony, and we have dancers from the Academy of Dance uh, that entertain. We have music. Um, and then the closing our Champions for Youth Award, which Ken will talk to. Yeah, actually, uh, that's my next question. Yep. <laughs> my question here, <laughs> and uh, lastly, which is near and dear to my heart, is the Luminaries and the Walk. And it starts at the town hall, and the mayor usually leads us down center, uh, down center Street to the gazebo and back up. And the uh, entire street is lit with the paper luminary bags. It's yeah. done at night, and the luminary bags go up and down Center Street, and all those luminary bags um, will be are for sale for a five dollar donation. And the bag you can put a picture of a loved one, you can put a message of hope, 
you can just write. Kind of similar to what the Relay for Life. Yes. Only we're doing it for our Walk of Hope for Red Ribbon Week. And at Celebrate, the bags will be at our booth. And we have the, the kids come over and they color a bag and they write down, you know, I love mom or a heart. Or um, we have parents such as myself that make a bag in memory of their special ones. Well, I can't walk, but I'll do my role. I'll participate <laughs> I, I expect to see you there. I'll be there, weather permitting. Well, well last year, uh, it, it was estimated that we had about 600 It was a great turnout, and it was a beautiful evening. And uh, Chief Wright from our police department also helped lead the way with the walk. So it was a great community event. Talk about the uh, uh, that's, that's awesome. Well, that's, that's particularly near and dear to my heart. Um, Champions for Youth is a... competition. We kind of call it a competition in that we ask organizations in town to nominate an adult and a youth mentor who's shown personal characteristics that are important to kids leading healthy lives or some adults that have shown extraordinary volunteer service to their organizations. Um, anything that they think is One of the things that that 
our direction we're in this campaign to include suicide in what we do. That the number of people coming up that's another problem that's growing. Is that a result of bullying? Um well to a certain I guess at, at some point, I mean we don't again at this problem is at a point in our society where people are talking about it. So that's what we're trying to do is get people to I can tell you that we're averaging eight suicides in quality for the year. And the, the average age of suicide death is coming in. It, it's about half of what it was. You can understand somebody's feelings of life and having bad illness and you know, having to deal with that. But those numbers are coming way down. And over and over and over, we hear about 30 something or 20 something or a great old friend of ours, an 18 year old, had mental health issues that he struggled with, and as a result, I'm sure bullying was part of it. He feel isolated. Welcome home one day to find Devastating. Again, we're dropping 10 months just for short. We cover this for Sarah Wallenberg. Um, I don't know how much time we have left. That's the freedom of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we could be here until midnight. So. Like we've given the call. There you go. 724 444 
And I mentioned, and John, I did mention John Maturno. John Maturno, John Calton. I don't know how uh, uh, to do it. Yeah. 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 Took a handful of them and stopped using them and put them put the jar in a cabinet over the prison. Daughter was going through a tough time and the mom living with him and his wife. And he uh, ended up moving out, took the, the uh, bottle of pills with her, and over oh. John, John, and John was left with the responsibility of raising. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people did, but he, again, I, I wouldn't tell the story, it's just that he, he took the time to cure it at one of our events. But it's a devastating story. And, you, and most people would never know. Basically, get that to himself and live with that case. And then our, our, I mentioned the margin. A great group of people. Yeah. Um, All very fast. All very passionate, and, and we will be expanding that board very soon. So we'll look at that back, but we got some, <laughs> some, some pretty heavy hitters going to be joining us. That has to be revealed. And that, um, I mean, kind of right? What I'm saying is if someone's listening or someone saw the article in the paper, and if one were interested in, in volunteering to become a member of, of the coalition, how could one do that? Please. We encourage, and we're looking for, for new volunteers all the time. Um, we have a number of different events, as we shared earlier in this broadcast, that are up and coming. We can use folks to just fold brochures to help facilitate the event, right? So if they would like to join, they can always uh, contact us through our website, www bbwlsd.org, and uh, on that, it was, there is a place to contact us, uh, and they can fill in the appropriate information, and I will reach out to them or someone from the coalition as far as uh, that is concerned. We also have our meeting that we meet the last Thursday of the month at on the time. The Absolutely. We'd love to have more people come. Like I said, we've got a lot of events coming up. We meet once a month on a Thursday. However, we are doing planning meetings for the Red Ribbon Week as well as Celebrate. So um, on our website is also a list of dates and times that is available. Um, and we're also always looking for donations. We are a nonprofit, 501c3, and there is a donation button on our website. Um, and we are looking for your support in the uh, from the community so that we can keep these programs running and going. And we appreciate all the donations over the past four years, and we keep looking forward well, to that. Uh, new volunteer right here. Thanks. Uh, what, what more I had? Uh, the Coalition Herald. 
Volunteers were down, our donations were down. We're going to start an all-night club this afternoon. 
you're going to use that team to highlight their accomplishments and get people excited about being part of the movement. And in the course of visiting those 14 families, eight of them were either strung out or released. Now, this was my first wake-up call. That's devastating news, and I was I was broken hearted. But I wasn't motivated to fix it. And that's the difference. And I and even that day, I wasn't motivated to fix it. We canceled the alumni process. You know, one of the parents said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna have this. Let's just have it out of the truth." So they hear that. I said, "Look at the type of energy they got put into some of those kids from my perspective." Like I said, I was broken hearted. But I didn't do anything about it. That's the key. It wasn't until Taylor passed that I was motivated to do something. And I think that's an important lesson that people need to hear. Because it's, my life was dedicated to the kids. And even in the face of them, you don't understand what it's like to have an addict or, or a, a substance abuse problem under your roof. And you don't know what it takes to work through it. That's why I said we all own a part of this. You know, I had an opportunity. That was that was a huge flag. I shouldn't have gotten involved then. Maybe if I did, Taylor would be alive. Like the saying goes, be something, say something, right? Be something, say something. Yes. Every family, every person is affected one way or the other. And I'm sure you have your story just like we do. Everyone that comes to the gardener's market, people I see in the grocery stores, there's always a story with every family. It could be an aunt, an uncle, a niece nephew, a cousin, but it's amazing the stories that come out. I do a scholarship in Taylor's memory, and the scholarship is an essay they have to write regarding substance abuse or um, drugs, and the essays that I am receiving from our graduating seniors will blow your mind to the point where I couldn't even read them, I couldn't even be a judge for them, everyone that submitted an essay thus far for the past three years has received a monetary donation, um, scholarship, I'm sorry, from the Taylor Short Foundation, and I won't turn anyone away. But they have to write the essay, and uh, they're powerful, very powerful. Um, so it, it's affecting everyone. Overdoses that happened at Oakdale a couple of years ago. 
it was over 20 some odd kids that after a concert, yep, we didn't have enough beds. They were being brought anywhere and everywhere um, because of synthetic marijuana that was laced with with something. I think I think what will change is what can change is that um, we can improve our response. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that event changed the way things are dealt with over the field. So medical personnel are on hand to deal with it should the problems rise again. Um, there are beds and paramedics there. Um, now, is that the right response? Some people will say, what are we doing? We're just aiming and bedding that abuse. But in the end of the day, bring my kid home and I'll deal with the rest of that decision instead of allowing him to die from the world Educate and communicate. Educate, yes. communicate, you know, openly and honestly, and, and not be afraid to talk about it. You mentioned, too, that um, if anybody has any old prescriptions in their medicine cabinet, they can bring them to the police station. Is that correct? That is correct. This is a quick comment. We didn't bring this up. But, um, when I was, when we, when we were setting up to bring back the neighborhood meeting, we can the neighborhood. We're going to every door and drop off in the and uh, over the course of of uh, getting out those invites, just looking through the door, I saw on two occasions a pile of pills on the countertop, and you can't, and, and there's just no way that they think they will all hurt. And I don't know how they got them straight because I'm talking 30, 40 pills in two separate medicine bottles. Now we have the largest drop box in the state. In the entire police station is stop box for, for unused or unwanted homes. They're open 24 hours a day. They'll take them, no questions asked. Bring them to the, to the counter. Uh, you hand them to them and you leave. Done. Um, one of our campaigns is Mind Your Men. We know that amongst teenagers, it's the single largest source for their first use. First abuse of an opioid. Um, and typically, it isn't the kid that lives in the house, or it isn't the grandparent of the kid that lives in the house or visits. It's his friend visiting his friend's grandparent's house, and and they're pretty sneaky about it because they only take the whole pill. They'll take a handful of the rest back. And if, if you're like most people. You take a handful to deal with your pain, and then you're like, oh, man, I can't take this stuff. I'm going to take it anymore, and you leave it there, and you don't look in the bottom of it for maybe two years. That's a mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a mistake. Mind your message. One of the issues that's come up, it's not to get political, but I, I know in the campaign we talk about drug abuse, and in fact, I think drug abuse is sometimes they have a campaign, and they said, and will some of the solutions will some of the solutions help just uh, just kind of a throwaway point. I don't know if you had an opinion on that. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't have an opinion, but I got to stop here. I got to believe that if the leaders of this country were to stop, it's stop. 
space. We have people flying around in outer space with multi-billion dollar technology. If we can't keep our own out this country. I am We need to start that. It was a pharmaceutical thing. You know, the AMA thing, you know, what, the reason that the opioid flooded the market was the AMA said when somebody comes into your office, your first order of business is to treat their pain. They can come. Because they do a survey. And when they leave that hospital, that survey is a reflection on how well they treated your pain. Scale of 1 to 10. Did they treat the pain that you would have received? So what are they going to do? Here's your script. You will have no pain when you leave. And I'm making my numbers look interesting. The things that we've uncovered over the past four years are almost mind-bottling, eye-opening. Holiday Cinemas, 
October 1st and 2nd, our big Celebrate Wallingford will be there at the um, with our bounce houses, and this is a joint collaboration and partnership with GAO, with Youth and Social Services. October 6th, which Ken just mentioned, excuse me, the panel discussion and a location is to be determined. Please seek our website to find out where. And then our big red ribbon week, October 20th through the 29th, um, 27th, excuse me. The 20th, our opening ceremony. The 22nd, our big family disco. You can register now through our website. On October 27th, our walk of hope. You can also register as well as request a luminary bag be made for uh, a special person in your life or just a message of hope or whatever you choose on that bag um, we can accommodate. Um, and October 29th, we also are going to be um, the recipients of all the funds raised by the UPS store. Jim McFarlane has dedicated anything he receives from the shredding event as well as his raffle. It's on uh, 51 North Lane uh, Highway. That's guess, correct. Uh, Nice. Ten to two, and it's a Halloween family fun day. He has got an amazing event. I encourage families with children from dancing to costume uh, judging to uh, food trucks, and it's it's an amazing event. We um, were recipients last year, and he has once again um, is honoring us to be the recipients of the funds that he received that day as well. So. I want to take this time to thank, thank you for joining us this evening. And as I said, you have a, you have a little laugh, but it's a very important time. You have a new volunteer here. Great. And I'm looking forward to the walk. Yep. Weather permitting, I'll be down there. Yep. But before we end, I just want to remind everybody once again that we will be back next month. The first Tuesday of October, I believe it's October 4th. And I just want to remind everybody also that next month on October 16th is my 10th annual Tommy Palooza fundraiser. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the benefit the Alzheimer's Association of Connecticut. And it'll be taking place at Hard Hat 2 here in Wallingford. And it'll be from 3 to 7 on that day. We have lots of musical uh, entertainment as well as food raffle donations, so if, if you're interested, you can give me a call. My number is 203-901-7532, and hopefully you can attend. And thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Have a good night. you guys are great. I didn't even get to talk. Anthem just donated 250 pieces of artwork, and we're going to have a gallery night. Yep, and that's huge. The artwork is beautiful. Our doors, when they're open, stop in. If, um, donations for any and all of the artwork um, we're hoping to sell. Them. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.